Hello, and welcome to A Woman's Soul Restored. I'm LaTanya Hendry, and welcome to the second part of our four-part series in the Women's Her Story Month series. I have an interesting young lady here I'm going to interview in a few moments to share what she does in her story. But first, I just want to do a disclaimer because I had an occurrence that happened um, with an email I received last week. And I enjoy getting all the emails that I do get. I um, am fortunate and blessed that you all see fit to write in and, and email in and send your concerns, your situations, looking for advice or what have you. But I must say that in my background, I am a human services um, graduate. I, that's what my degree is in, um, human services with a minor in psychology. So I have a responsibility to report anything that is deemed dangerous or self-harming. So I would like to say that if you send me an email and you are, are deemed a threat in that email to yourself or someone else or a child, that is something I must report. Um, I am a, a, a community reporter, not saying that I'm on the news, but I do have a responsibility to report any dangerous situation. And last week out of two seasons was my first time having to do that. I didn't get a lot of emails last season because that was my first season. But this year, this season, I, I get at least 60 something emails per week and I, I read all of them. But when this was the first time that someone shared something that was of a danger to a child. And if you have already done something, there is nothing I can do except to report it. I hope that you all use this medium to... I'm getting teary because I am remembering the email and it was specific in some things and even and I've said this before even though I do this I'm not seasoned to the point where certain things do not still touch me so I got emotional when I read the email and then I reported the email sender because harm was done to a child and they were looking for an avenue to basically cleanse after doing what they did and I'm not the platform for that or anything any mandated reporter cannot be an avenue for the self-help part if you have already committed an act so I don't want the to scare anyone but please seek help if you have those tendencies or have those feelings to want to hurt a person to want to hurt a child to want to cause harm to someone please seek help before that happens because once you've done it it's then no longer someone seeking help it's a crime that has been committed and I must report any kind of danger, anything, any crime that has taken place that I'm aware of, I must report that. So I wanted to put that disclaimer out there. I um, I feel for not the person that sent the email, but for the child that was victimized. Um, the only thing I am 
okay with is that this person did send an email because I followed up on what happened and no one knew what was going on with this child. It was something that was ongoing. And if that person did not send that email reaching out for help and putting in that email what they were seeking help and guidance for, there's no telling how long this would have continued. So I'm not taking credit for anything, but I am thankful that that person did send that email in, not looking for help for that child, but they were looking for help for themselves to stop. But once you let that out that you're harming anyone or harming a child, I am mandated to report that because that is then a crime. So I have done my disclaimer, and this is not only a disclaimer, this is my personal feelings as being someone that was molested as a child. I would have wanted somebody to report what happened to me. So I would ask that my listeners keep I'm not going to share any names because I cannot do that. But I will say I would ask that my listeners keep this family in prayer. Keep that. um, It was a young man, a little boy. So to keep him in prayer. And um, let's just be mindful of the things that we hear. Don't be so dismissive. I do get a lot of emails and it would be been easily to just read over that or just dismiss it. But I'm not that type of person and I, I have a, a responsibility to do things correctly. So this was hard on my heart since last week to read that, to have to go through that process to report it and then follow up to see what has gone on. And because it's a minor and I don't know the people personally they couldn't go into details about you know what happened and and the aspect of it but that something did happen and that they were taking the proper measures to deal with that so um this platform is more than just information to help women or help with what we go through but to also do the right thing in us to do the right thing so if anybody's listening to this and you have those tendencies you have those feelings to harm or inflict or be in danger or want to just do something that you know is wrong please seek help before you do that because you're not only going to mess up your life with prison or whatever is done to you but you're messing with that person's life you especially if it's a child if it's an adult too But if it's a child and they have not developed the mental capacities to deal with certain things yet, it's going to damage them. So before you take that leap to act on what it is you're feeling, please, please seek help. Even if you have to let your children stay with a relative, do what you need to do to help yourself not harm anybody, not to commit a a crime and be a liability in someone else's life. If you cannot be an asset to someone, don't be a liability. I would prefer that you let someone else raise your children, get out of that relationship as opposed to you harming someone or doing damage to that child that is going to lead up to them being damaged as adults. So um, I just want to make that disclaimer 
Also, from last week, my guest Colleen Cooper, we were talking about her book, her upcoming book. Her book was actually published the very next day, that Thursday, her book was published on Amazon. So it's called Still She Stands from Colleen Cooper. Please support her book. It took a lot of courage for her to share her story on this platform and to do her book. So I'm asking my listeners, those that can, to support her book. And any of my guests that have books, please support them because they're trying to make a difference in book format, in written format. And you never know, it might help you. So please grab her book, Still She Stands. Today, my guest is an author, researcher, trauma-informed pleasure educator, and the founder of Soma Body Trauma-Informed Pleasure Work. She works with survivors and those recovering from unhealthy relationships to help them reclaim a nourishing, authentic, and soulfully aligned relationship to pleasure that supports them to live more purposefully in every area of their lives. So today we're talking about how to reclaim your authenticity, soulfulness, and sexuality after trauma. And my guest today is Nisha Fair. So after a quick break, when we come back, we'll get into the conversation with Nisha Fair. So be sure to grab your cup of coffee, grab you some cocoa, just grab you something to drink and just sit back and relax. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is LaTanya Y. Hendry. And yes, my middle initial is Y, but I want to ask you why. Why do you want to write that book? Why do you want to get your story out, whether it's fiction or nonfiction? Who is your target audience? What is your goal overall for your book? The thing about authors sometimes is that we forget that our book or being an author is a business and we have to treat our books as such. So what I am available to teach is how you can embrace your book, not only on on an emotional scale, but also as a business to help market, to help sell it, to help it you get it into the hands of the people that need it. I am a coach, but I am also a writing coach and editor. So I can help you get your book from concept to organizing it to doing your outline to also showing you how to self-edit your own books critically so that you can look at it objectively and don't have to pay an editor but if you don't want to go through all that if you want to pay an editor I am an editor I am a critical reader my eyes automatically attract to errors so if you're looking for an editor I do edit but I can teach you how to edit your books critically if you're on a budget and looking to save money so if you're looking for a writing coach if you're looking for somebody to help you with your concept of your book send an inquiry email to www.livelifenowlovelifenow.net slash books scroll down the information read to the bottom and click on the link that says send me an email Um, And I will respond to you within 24 hours. So let 2022 be the year that you get that book written. But you have to discover your why. Reach out to me today. Hi, 
Latonia. Hi, how are you today? I'm well, how are you doing? I am great. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for uh, agreeing to be on the Woman Soul Restored podcast. Of course. I'm so happy to, uh, to, to be part of the conversation you're having with folks. Awesome. Awesome. I am so looking forward to getting into our conversation because you have a very mm. interesting field that you are in. And I want my listeners to hear what that is. But before we do that, could you tell us a little about yourself? So my name is Nisha Heron Fair. I am a researcher, author, and trauma-informed pleasure educator. I've been doing somatic and embodiment coaching for probably about 14 or 15 years. And it's all been driven or guided by my own personal healing process. I'm a best uh, abusive relationship and a uh, number of assaults as an adult and um i've done in terms of my process of healing i've really made it an effort to try and give back and uh, to support yes. others who same journey or um, looking for maybe different ways of navigating the same journey because i haven't taken a um, and I think that's part of a trauma-informed process is giving people, we don't all different and we don't all yes. the same route to heal it. Exactly. Wow. That's, um, so you did say incest and sexual abuse? Uh, yep. As a child and, and, um, um, abuse assaults as well. Oh, okay. How was the healing for you going through that process? Because you said you didn't take the traditional route. Yeah. So, um, I mean, my healing journey now, I'm 40, working on myself when I was about 15. Okay. All of the kind of mental health symptoms. So I had a lot of eating disorders, lots of panic attacks, anxiety and depression um, through high school and in the 90s, right? So we don't, we didn't know everything that we, you know, and I, I really didn't resonate with a lot of available. They were, you know, very pharmaceutical driven. It was really... I found and there really was this approach to healing what yeah. is um, an experience of, of misogyny right um, yeah. which is so much yeah. more complex if you are experiencing other aspects of oppression whether it's racial ableism um, or you know heteronormative oppression so uh, I really went the somatic route. I was lucky enough. I found a therapist who was really kind of the, I mean, this like, again, this is in the nineties. So she pulling more fringe practices. Um, and that's really where I learned about somatics for the first time. And that was 
light bulbs started going off for me. And I just kept attuning myself to these practices that were holistic, didn't coming home to my body. And that really supported me to um, my own inherent goodness through embodiment as opposed to, you know, practice or that medication or, you know, Right, right. Treatment to seek kind of this healing and instead really tuning into the fact that I am a self healer and I can mm. trust myself and, and my intention to, to guide. It's going to be yeah. supportive for my process. I think that is totally Did awesome. Did that answer your question? I- Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. Because I'm a. I'm, oh, that's fine. That's fine. I'm a naturalist myself. I do believe in mm-hmm. natural healing and things that we can do to um, heal ourselves and our bodies. Besides the medication route, um, I recently had a um, diabetic diagnosis, and they got me on medication. Mm-hmm. But believe me, I'm trying to find a way to <laughs> naturally. I'm busy researching and finding methods to counteract because the medication has me to today was a sick day i um they upped my dose we oh no it's fine i've learned i'm learning how to cope but i'm not a person that Mm. takes medication so uh, when they upped the dosage last week and i started monday with taking a whole bunch of pills in the morning time and it's supposed to be like so i won't have to take them throughout the day Yesterday was kind of okay, but today I, I'm not a breakfast eater, so I ate like some yogurt and I took the pills and I guess I didn't put enough on my stomach because I got really, really thinking before we started this. Yeah, I was like, I gotta find something because these pills and me and how I am as a person, I believe in natural healing. I don't believe in taking medications especially and i've researched metformin because that's what they have me on and Mm -hmm. long term it does things to your body and i want to find something natural before that takes effect so i i i'm with you 100 percent with that we are we are able to heal our bodies we just have to find what method and what we need to work for us that's i love that that's Mm -hmm. awesome Awesome. yeah i'm so Um, with you there Yes, yes. Um, and to look at your picture, I was not guessing 45. You look very youthful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't, thinking. you know, I, I stopped drinking when I was uh, about 15 years ago. I had a lot of drug and alcohol abuse, like in my 20s. And mm. um, I had kind of a, a major breakdown when I was 26 after a, uh, I fell off a mountain when I was snowboarding and almost died. And that was kind of my big wake up call. And it was, I really, I should not have made it out of that accident. It, I really mm. should just, I don't know how I'm, I'm here to be honest. And that, that was kind of part of the, you know, if you want to call it like a soul activation, because I really realized that I was here for a reason. Wow. And that even and, though oh. I've lived through all of this horrible stuff that you know, there's a purpose for all of it. And uh, not to put a silver lining on horrible things, but right, um, right. I think that part of, uh, I don't want to say responsibility is the wrong word, but part of maybe the the, the joy of coming mm-hmm. through some of these horrible things is really um, seeing how, the, how we can make meaning of them for ourselves yeah. and for other people. Because 
you know, I really believe that as survivors, and I, I can, I can kind of like circle this back to sexuality and pleasure because there's this real pervasive belief in the world that survivors are sexually broken. And, mm. um, you know, we, for that reason, we have to take what we can get. We have to settle for whoever will love us because we're not good enough as people who haven't experienced trauma or abuse. Mm -hmm. um, and the truth is, while we may experience these injuries and these traumas, um, the healing process gives us an opportunity to see things that nobody else will ever get to see. Yes. We get to stand at a vantage point that no one else is ever going to get to stand at. And again, this is not a silver lining, but it's, you know, once you come through that, those dark nights of the soul, it's, you really get that feeling of standing on top of a mountaintop where you can just see for miles. And it's a view that no one else is ever going to get to see and stand from. And that's where I think people like you and, you know, it's my goal anyway, is really standing from that mountaintop and saying, this is what I see. And this is how yeah. I see we can grow and the improvements that we can make. Here's how we can change, you know, because so many people in the world are really walking around with blindfold on. It's you know, yes. they're carrying around their yes. conditioning and they can't see how they're harming others. Mm. So that's a beautiful analogy. I love that because mm. many of us and I, I walked around with blindness for years. I can connect with the alcohol and drug abuse because my 20s was that. Um, and I've said many times that my children and God saved me because there's no telling where I would have ended up if I took that trajectory that I was taking because I really did not care. I was so hurt until um, seemed like the drugs just numbed me out. But then when you sober up or when you come to yourself, that hurt is still there. So self-medication never hurt, never helps anything. So I, I agree, I, I did a total change in my late 20s, early 30s to really take care of myself and to be here not only for my children but for me because I mattered and I had a message and a voice and a story that needed to be told so that's when I started evolving as not being a victim that was self-destructive but being someone that had something that maybe some that can help someone else so yeah I, I knew I was going to enjoy this interview today it's just <laughs> enlightening to talk to a kindred spirit you know yes. we all have different um, experiences but we've traveled down a road to self-awareness and having that knowledge that we made it and if we made it that mm -hmm. means that we have to do something productive we have to save our own lives we can't wait for somebody to save us we have to do what we need to do for our own self-benefit so I, I just love everything you're saying um oh, yeah. to, Yes, today we are talking about how to reclaim your authenticity, soulfulness, and sexuality after trauma. So going into that, could you share what it is specifically that you do? What it is specifically that I do? So when I'm not <laughs> researching or writing and trying to save the world, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I work with clients one-on-one -on -one, 
And most, uh, mostly I work with women, um, people with vulvas who find me after uh, either an abusive or toxic relationship or uh, a series of, say, unhealthy dating experiences because toxic, the toxic dating culture of today is a thing and it's something yeah. I'm really working hard to dismantle and it's kind of the goal of my book, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, so we really, uh, I really take the client practitioner relationship very seriously and one of my one of my goals as a as a human being as a practitioner as a researcher and a writer is to dismantle the embodied hierarchies that we are all carrying right. and they're invisible right so we have hierarchies between teacher and student doctor yes. and patient you know um black and white male and female um and some of them are easier to see because they might uh, exist depending on the certain you know size or shape or type of genitals a person has yes. uh, but some of them are harder to see like you know the client practitioner relationship so part of my work is really supporting people to stop fawning to stop falling into these hierarchical dynamics where we we're really conditioned to give our power away mm. right so it, it's really common for people to end up fawning um, or people pleasing their way through their personal growth or their therapy because they think, okay, well, the therapist knows best. They're the one who I'm paying, so they must have all the answers. And um, the truth is that, you know, we have we have the truth inside us all along yes. and all yes. the time. Yes. We just need people to support us, to listen to ourselves and to trust ourselves. So my my job is really, I serve as a witness for folks to reconnect with an authentic experience of pleasure that doesn't come from you know the male gaze or from pornography or instagram it's really rooted in what feels somatically true for them and that doesn't matter whether it could be like you know bdsm or vanilla like missionary or you know ball gags and, and restraints it doesn't matter it's just about really honoring what feels uh nourishing and so that's that's really what I hold space for people to do, to have that experience and to grow without any judgment or shame um, and to take their own time in that process. Because that's like, we never got that experience, especially if you're raised in a, you know, um, yes. religious background. We right, never got right. the experience of someone sitting down and saying, you are a sexual being and you get to evolve and grow and discover your pleasure in whatever way you want to. We, you know, kids are raised, they don't know about sex or they're thought that, you know, told that sex and genitals are dirty, don't touch it. But then as soon as we're teenager, we start dating, we're expected to be perfect and amazing at relationships and intimacy, right? So we kind of, we're doing it all backwards. So yes. um, I really kind of support women to, it's kind of a reparenting process in a way, right? It's like going back and saying, if you could have been introduced into your sexuality in a way that made you feel like empowered and authentic and really connected you to like not just what felt true for your relationships and your sexuality but for what how your sexuality is going to support you to live a bigger better more pleasurable life right because we are the same people in bed as we are in the boardroom and the zoom room yes. and yes. the dinner table and you know, like we bring the same bodies wherever we go. Hmm. 
that's important what you said and as it relates to what you do because after you've gone through a trauma and particularly a sexual trauma you lose trust in yourself you feel that your judgments are off or your decision making is off and you blame yourself for a lot of things and it's you have to regain trust in your own self and your own abilities to make the best decisions for yourself because what happened to you was not your fault. What happened to me was not my fault. And any other victim that has gone through uh, sexual trauma, sexual abuse, domestic violence, um, incest, or the gamut of things that happen to us sexually can take away our sexuality. So is important to have someone to help you build that trust to know that you are still a sexual being because i know for a while i didn't like people uh, a man to touch me i did not like to be touched in certain areas because it was a defense mechanism for me i did not like for a guy to you know like nibble on your ear which some people some women feel is uh and something attractive and something that leads to an encounter but i hated that i hate it for any Anybody mm-hmm. nibbling on my ear. I hate it for anybody to touch my breast. The intimacy that usually comes before the encounter, I did not like the intimacy because I had a problem with myself as being someone that was sexual because I had lost my 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 sexuality in the course mm-hmm. of the abuses that I had gone through. So I love the work you're doing and, and even how you worded it and described it because it's very important for us to know that we can trust ourselves and trust our instincts. Because most of the times these people prey on people that's already in a low place or low self-esteem yes. or dealing yes. with things and not really focused on their safety and their God is down. So these people look for women or even men in this situation, children that are vulnerable mm-hmm. and then they prey on that. So it's not our faults, but it's very important that we learn to trust our instincts and not settle for anything. Just like you said, you know, we, we've, decreased our value so we feel that we have to accept anything that comes our way just to say we got somebody that is not the case we have to value ourselves and value who we are as beings and know that we are important and we matter and we don't have to settle in spite of what we've been through it's because of what we've been through that empowers us and gives us the ability to know that no i don't have to settle for foolishness leave me alone get out of my space and and Mm -hmm. wait for that person that's just for you that's not going to abuse you that's not going to put his hands on you and and just be patient with yourself as you evolve and learn your own body and your own feelings and your own emotions and deal with that stuff from the past and live a healthy life. So I just, I'm, oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving you too. I'm just loving it. Me this is too. Really, really <laughs> awesome. It's so good. Yes, yes. Really awesome. I try to. Yeah connect with my guests because even though most of the times we have a commonality I like and and we haven't spoken over the phone or anything so the only way I get to feel a person and feel their genuine genuineness is through the conversations and Mm -hmm. I know that you are passionate and I feel it about what you do and about the people yes and that's vital that the people that you help that you care about them genuinely because you share an experience, but you're helping them to know that 
you did it and you can help them get to the same space. So wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Um, is your career choice or the area that you've gone in that's non-traditional, is that influenced directly by your personal story and what you've gone Um, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I've always been, you know, when I, I, I from the, from the word go, as far back as I can remember, I've, I've never really been conventional. Mm. My, uh, my parents used to kind of like roll their eyes when they'd introduce me to friends and being like, this is our little nonconformist, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'd be like, get me, like, <laughs> I never felt seen by my family in my whole life mm. was when, you know, anyway. Um, so I really, you know, I always used my body not just as uh, sort of a source of like pleasure and comfort, but it was really an apparatus for me. Like I've always allowed myself to be guided by what felt somatically right for me. So that meant Ooh. sometimes like barking up wrong trees for a while and taking circuitous routes. And I consider myself to be like a career interdisciplinarian. Um, mm. I don't, I don't really have a really hard time staying within the, um, the box of, you know, certain disciplines and I think that's why I've landed in somatics because it's a necessarily interdisciplinary discipline it involves everything from movement psycho-emotional studies neuroscience um, and philosophy mm. so it's it's a good place for me but I in order to get there I definitely had to I had to like I said bark up a bunch of wrong trees but they were all guided by um, by me trying to find safety you know, even mm -hmm. when I was really young, when I was 17, 18, like I, to go back to, you know, the drugs and alcohol, I had my first, my very first experience on ecstasy at 17. And I didn't even do like a big amount. I was just a little amount. And I remember at one point just saying, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to like be okay in the world, to mm -hmm. not hate yourself, to mm -hmm. like not feel like, everyone's after you and that you're bad you know and that yeah. feeling was something that it was a real imprint for me and oddly I didn't give the drugs the credit even though I went down the road of drugs and alcohol abuse afterwards I didn't right. give the drugs the credit I always felt that if I can feel this way with or you know whether there's an a substance involved or not then that's something that's in me Right. So I used that feeling as this kind of homing device to try and get to get more of it. And so I would, you know, I dropped out of school for a couple of years and I followed boys across, you know, to Europe. And I, I, I was a bit of a vagabond because I was chasing this feeling that I knew was possible for myself. And that looked, I think, to a lot of people to be really flighty and inconsistent. Um, but when I look back now, every single one of those flighty and inconsistent steps had purpose and they, you know, got me to the next place where I learned the next thing that I needed to know about what kind of people weren't right for me or right, right. Um, what felt more true. It was always, I see that my path as being a process of stripping away what wasn't true 
what wasn't real, what wasn't authentic. And with every little turn I made, I got more like, okay, that's a no. I guess we could put that on, you know, mm-hmm. count that out of the pile. So it was, it really was this constant, like 30 year process of just peeling back all the conditioning, all the things that weren't me. So to answer your question, a very long, long roundabout way, um, yes, my, my work is definitely, um, definitely influenced by my journey. And I will say too, I don't think I shared this, but uh, about six years ago when I ended my um, abusive relationship, the healing process that I went on, that's when I started moving into sexual well-being and pleasure work. Prior to that, I was just doing, you know, straight embodiment, somatics, well-being, and even some fertility um, support for women. But it was that, it was in 2014 when I knew that if I ever wanted to have the kind of nourishing and soulful relationship with myself and with another person, I needed to really address this sexual piece and go mm-hmm. deep in, in my sexual healing. And so that's what, that's what got me where I am today doing, doing this work. Wow. And I'm a long and roundabout person, so it didn't bother (laughs) me at all. (laughs) People that know me personally know that, yeah, I can take a conversation and sometimes I have to bring myself, oh, you asked me so-and-so and and I'll be done went, you know, still in the conversation, but the extended version of what was asked. So I don't mind at all. (laughs) And those that listen to this podcast don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's still informative. So you were still yeah. in the realm of the information. And one thing that I want to touch on is that aspect of feeling, um, that mm. euphoric feeling that we chase after. Um, just in a normal um, atmosphere, we all want that feeling of a higher place, of feeling better, feeling that we're um, outside of our norm. But when you've gone through a trauma, and you feel down, you specifically want to feel at a higher place, at a higher level, getting taken to outside of that pain that you're in. And and I'm glad you didn't stay in that um, with the ecstasy. You, you know, didn't mm. give it any credit, but just think of the people that do, that depend yeah. on drugs. Once they get that feeling, that, that out-of-body experience, they chase that. And if it's that drug that took them there, they will continue with that drug. I know people now, because I'll be 55, Lord willing, in May. Mm. I know people my age that's still chasing that feeling, still on drugs, still strung out, because you can never get to that place through anything external or anything that you have to put into your body, because what you need Mm. is already inside of your body. You just have to get find out how to pull that out of yourself and not poison yourself with drugs and things that can alter you because you're not going to get that euphoric that you even that first time they chase that first time feeling that whatever drug they're taking you're not going to get that again but it takes some a shorter time to learn that and it takes some like i said my age even older an extended time to learn and unfortunately some people don't learn that until they're not here anymore um so i do thank you for sharing that aspect of 
because you pull stuff out of the extended version. Sometimes the quick answer is not enough. You need the extension <laughs> to get the full embodiment of the what's trying to be. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. all good eating right there, getting full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, could you explain Sumo Body and how was it founded? Yeah. So Soma Body Pleasure Work is the approach that I've developed for working with clients. Because when I was doing my my sexual reclamation process, that deep dive that I started in 2014, which is actually eight years ago now, my math. Wow. Yes. Um, there were no trauma-informed options available, believe it or not. Um, I was, I've been a trauma-informed um, coach for, like I said, 14 years. Um, and so when I was going through these practices, attending these courses, I knew that there were some issues of ethics and that they were triggering and re-traumatizing in some ways to people. But I just, I was like, okay, well, hey, to each their own, I'm going to take what works for me and I'll leave the rest. Wow. Um, I mean, and I was like, I was listening to some of these women having experiences and I'm just like, this is not safe. This is not safe. Don't say anything. Mm-hmm. This is not your, this is not your course. You're not the teacher, you know, <laughs> which is, is hard for me to, to keep my mouth shut sometimes. Um, but even, even though I was modulating and I was taking care of my own experience, I still got re-traumatized by these approaches in the end. Mm. Um, and it's because a lot of the approaches that are out there are actually designed to trigger repressed trauma and repressed mm. emotions related to trauma. That's kind of the purpose of a lot of sexual healing practices, specifically in, uh, say, sacred sexuality type systems. Yes. Um, so it, I, it was about two years of dysregulation, chronic dysregulation that I experienced um and it was devastating um but through that experience having that experience i realized that we needed a better way or at least some people um needed a better way a more gentle way and um a process that really supports people to lean into their own agency and be be choiceful about how they navigate their healing, their sexual healing journey, because it very, it really is so personal. And I see so many people who mean so well, and they've, you know, maybe had their own healing experiences. These are coaches and practitioners, and they had a great experience and they just want other people to have the experience. And it's so understandable, but the problem is people who identify as being highly sensitive, uh, people with any, any form of trauma or nervous system injuries, um, women going through perimenopause or menopause, women post-pregnancy, any, we are all more sensitive yes. to all forms of, you know, healing and, and especially when we're talking about deep repressed emotional work. Yes. Um, so it's just, it's a risk factor that I saw. So I saw an opportunity to provide and create um, just a safer, a safer approach, something that was maybe less sparkly and shiny and, you know, I don't know what the word is, but um, 
but more grounded anyways. Yeah. And people yeah. appreciate it. You know, I think that after so long of being told, this is what you have to look like. These are the clothes you have to wear. This is what your body's supposed to look like. These are all the things you have to do in bed for your partner in order to be loved. And, you know, Instagram's now telling us that anal is the new <laughs> these like crazy socially contrived ideas of what it means to be sexual right, right. to actually just like say no yes push yeah. all of that back and say what do i want mm. what do i want my sexuality to be what do i want to get out of pleasure how do i want it to support me in my job in my friendships you know in in my home so and that's you know that's really the piece i think where the the real like the real juice of it is because again we are the same people in bed as we are you know at the dinner table so it's so important that our sexual experiences our experiences of pleasure are supportive to us being the people we came here to be and that they support yes. us to be and show up in our relationships in our in our best and most authentic selves because if they're not then you know we'll just be fawning our way through through all of it and and not showing up in a way that allows us to contribute meaningfully to the world and to our communities yes 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 is odd that you mentioned um the instagram it's social media mm -hmm. in general <laughs> I because i believe social media now is like how when we were younger we would look at the magazines and see the thinness and the clothes and we would strive mm -hmm. for that and then it was tv we would look at certain shows i know back in the day for me it was dallas um falcon oh, crest yeah. with the high-end clothing the big hair and that's the oh, and goodness. the thinness and that's what you yes. know we strive for as little girls and now it's social media and posts and mm -hmm. lives and um tiktoks and things that are influencing maybe those that are younger and and some our age probably as well but it's mm -hmm. like a trend they'll even tell you it's trending now and you get yeah. involved and caught up in this mental fantasy of what you think you're supposed to do instead of doing the work and digging deep down to see what it is that you want we follow the what's the happening now instead of was it's okay to be different it's okay to step outside the box but we it's it's like you can't do you can't be an individual you have to follow what's what's trending what's new what's happening because you're left out if you're not i have no problem with being left out <laughs> and I figured that out a long time ago. I've always been different yeah. because I was connecting with what you were saying. I was always different out of my mother had four daughters and I was the youngest and I was the one that was different. Um, yeah. The one that kind of almost like the black sheep is, is an yes. old term that they used. Yes. And oh, I was the black I sheep. And it, yeah, it bothered me for years. And then I began to accept it. Okay, I can do what I want to do then. Since I'm a black sheep, mm -hmm. I don't have to conform <laughs> and try to yeah. please anybody. So I learned early on not to be a people pleaser and to you know stand my ground and do what I feel was best for me. Didn't always rub people the right way, but I was okay. I was happy with it. And I lived my life and still live my life according to what 
is satisfying to Tanya. I don't try to please people. Um, either you're going to like me or you're not. Um, I'm sorry if you don't because you're missing out on a very nice person. <laughs> but I <laughs> live my life to accompany what all I've been through in life. I'm not at an age now to where I'm trying to please people. And I'm doing what's best for me and, and what keeps me going, what keeps me happy. Um, I have grandchildren. I, my children are grown, but even for them, I can't live my life to make them happy. I have to live my life to make me happy and be okay with who I am as a woman, as a sexual being, as an individual, mm -hmm. as a the many hats that I wear. I have to be okay with me or I'm not able to yes. do those hats effectively. So, yeah, it's, it's, we're influenced by things that really it's okay to enjoy those things but when we start trying to embody them that's when it becomes a problem because i enjoy yeah. social media i'm a i'm a facebooker i i mm -hmm. recently started watching the tiktok videos and some of them were really funny and informative but i'm not going yeah. to embody that stuff i'm not going to take that stuff in and then try to be that because mm -hmm. i'm not that and i'm happy not be that's just enjoyment <laughs> We have to realize that some things are just for us to enjoy, not to be, not to take on, but just to enjoy. Just just watch it, laugh, and don't let your business. <laughs> so, um, so if now we're going to talk about your book, which I sure. found just the title very uh -huh. interesting. Fawn, yes. when no looks like yes. Talk yes. about that a little bit for me. Sure. So fawn is one of our natural biological stress responses. Yes. But it was only discovered in 2000 and it was only given a real name, the name fawn in 2013. So it's like, in terms of what we understand about our bodies and how we respond to stress and well-being, it's very new. Like we're still at the frontier of understanding this this response and how it affects people. What we do know is that it is more typical, the typical re stress response for women, whereas fight flight is the more typical stress response for men. Mm. And what the fawn response like that, it is biological, but the behaviors associated with the fawn response are things like playing nice in bed, going along with whatever your partner wants just to get it over with, um, mm you know, uh, saying yes to an act you don't want to do to save the relationship. You know, I see a lot of this now with people who um, might want to try an open relationship or try a threesome um, mm. and wanting to hang on to their partner or not want to like break up the, the family and three kids that they have, right? So right. fawning essentially, it's, it is like that, a biological response, but it creates behaviors that force us to abandon our authenticity and to dissolve our boundaries in order to go along with the other person's desires, interests, pleasures, what have you. What's interesting about Fawn and why I think it's so important for where we are today in the world is that it is uniquely hierarchical. It is a hierarchical stress response that is triggered by hierarchical stress. So 
it's not triggered by someone who has less power than you. It's triggered by someone who has more power than you. So okay. um, women are more likely to experience it in relationships with men. Black people might be more likely to experience it in relationships with white people where there are those inherent power dynamics that yes. are existing, creating, um, creating an environment where there's intimidation and submission. Right. So we also see this in codependent relationships, any kind of abusive relationship. Fawn is always the kind of like it's the, the lynch holding the whole mess together. And I really see it as the linchpin that also holds the whole mess of patriarchy together and the oppressive mm. society we live in. Yeah. So I've really chosen to focus on uh, the aspects of fawn and the way it shows up in our sexual and intimate relationships, whether you know, in a one-off or in a long-term relationship. Um, a lot of researchers have been looking at fawn as an, an adaptation, something that we learn in childhood to survive, say, emotionally unavailable parents or abusive homes. Mm. And that is definitely one of the places where we learn about fawning, but it's also conditioned through gender. So mm. women are conditioned to be more nurturing and to be nice and to not rock the boat, don't make anyone yes. uncomfortable. We're conditioned to submit from such a young age. And with that, you know, just to your point earlier, we're conditioned to not listen to our own instincts and our own bodies. Yes. Yes. So the book is really a bit of an expose. I look at all of the biological aspects, but also how it shows up in uh, all different kinds of relationships. Um, one night stands, long term, codependent, you name it. And we really go through looking at the triggers, the side effects, how it affects us long term, because fawn is what's called a, a stress response of hypoarousal. So it creates activation in our nervous systems. And when we live in these stress responses long term, we see digestive issues cardiac mm -hmm. um, issues, we see lower uh, memory issues and problems with concentration, cognitive decision-making, um, what else, hormone imbalances, depression, anxiety, you name it, right? Because again, these are biological functions and they're throwing right. our whole system out of whack. If our nervous system's yeah. out of whack, everything else is a mess because every single body system and um, process runs through our nervous system all of yeah. our organs and everything. So I feel like I just said a lot there, so I'm gonna hang back and let you, if you have any questions you wanna tease out, but that's really sort of the, the crux of the book. Oh, and I will say one thing, the, the book does, like I said, it is an expose, and so we do look at a lot of the issues and the things we really wanna shake our heads at, but I also do offer opportunities for change, and there's a whole bunch of coaching exercises and somatic, practices that people can use to do their own self-healing in the in this process cool 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 mm -hmm. um very informed and very detailed and for something that's new that most of us have not heard of before you were not lengthy you gave us the details what we needed to know <laughs> and not i wouldn't have to come back and ask well what does you know you, know, you filled in the gap automatically and i we're type A personalities, so I do you know, <laughs> understand that being thorough 
And I look at that as a good thing. You know, before the question is asked, I'm giving you all the information. So if you want more than that, then yes, but mm-hmm. I'm giving you everything. <laughs> so where could we get the book? Um, are you on Amazon? Yeah. Do you have a website? Give us that information. Sure. So my website is nishafair.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at nishafair. And the website, or sorry, the um the book is coming out on Amazon later in March, and it's currently available in the e-reader format on my website. So you can get it today or wait for the paperback um, in a couple of weeks. Awesome. I am old school, so I'm going to wait on the paperback. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I love the feel of the paper turning yeah. in your hands and writing notes. And Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> we are kindred spirits. I already said that. Yes. yes. I'd love to hold a book in my hand and get the feel of it and turn the pages. Yeah, so, yes, I will definitely be um, one of your main supporters and re- oh, purchasing the you. book. Um, also, I guess later you can send me those links so that I could add them to when I do your blast tomorrow. Um, not that you're busy enough, but are you working <laughs> on any current projects? <sighs> um, promoting the book is, is my, is my main, my main jam. Um, yes. I have, it's interesting, like the, the writing of the book really it was, ugh. you know, they say you write what you know. What they don't often tell you is that in writing what you know, you will write what you need to learn. Yes. And yes. I've always been, writing has always been a process, a way of me trying to understand myself and the world. And, you know, I really do, um, I really do use writing as a, as a kind of self-discovery tool. And I think the book has just shown me that I am not even scratching the surface in anything I'm doing. And it's opened up a whole bunch of other areas that I'm, I'm starting to, to explore and dive into for future projects. So while there's nothing currently in the works there, um, this book has really lit a fire. Um, and I'm, I'll say, watch this space. So I've got lots, Lots, uh, lots bubbling, but um, nothing cooked yet. <laughs> I would definitely be following you and um, seeing what all is bubbling. And when <laughs> it's finished cooking, I would definitely, like I said, be a supporter. I love to support people that take their time to come on this podcast and share because you could be doing many other things. And not everybody says yes, you know, and yeah. it's an honor for me to have guests that come on and just share their heart and share what they do and really be embodied and embrace the information that they share to help those that are listening. Um, so I appreciate you taking your time to do that today and to give us a lot of information, but information that we can use to open us up to something new something most of us have not heard of before and looking at it from your perspective um in your field and your space you gave us your take on it and what it means for when you do it and what your intentions was when you did it and that just helps us to see who a person is and how they maneuver either emotionally, mentally, physically, just that whole arena, that whole space. So I want to take this time now to 
sometimes at the end of the year or even the first part of next year, if you don't mind coming back and letting us know what you're doing to, and how you're thank progressing. Thank you for that invitation. Of oh, course, yes. Yeah. I, I love to keep in touch with my guests. Yeah. It, it has. I have really enjoyed mm-hmm. the conversation. And as we prepare to end, Nisha, is there any final words or anything you would like to say before we end? thing I really I, it's sort of the I'm always trying to let's say hammer this home but um, reinforce <laughs> the message of self-compassion I think mm. that's it's just so important to give ourselves a break and mm. you know my my real big the thing that I think I've, I've probably learned the most is even despite all of the all of the bad stuff that's happened the thing that was hardest for me to get was to really trust my own pace was yeah. that I get to choose how fast or how slow I heal when I do this treatment or that treatment or go down that road or bark up that tree that I am the one that gets to decide when those things happen and I don't have to rush myself. Yeah. You know, I don't have to rush myself for anyone. My body is, I don't owe my body or my time to anybody. You know, so I think that piece of really having compassion for our energy, for how hard it is to just be in our bodies sometimes. Yes. Give ourselves time and space to 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 be gentle, you know, to be gentle mm. with ourselves and our bodies and our hearts. Our yes. hearts. That's good right there because it's funny how we can have compassion for everybody else. And when it comes to us, we beat ourselves up. But something I always like to tell people, I, you know, I, I counsel and I do a little coaching is that you people only treat you like how you treat yourself. And the world beats us up enough. We go through enough with outside influences. Why beat up ourselves? Why take ourselves through torment? Why not have the same love for ourselves that we give to everybody else? We're forgiving of many things that people do to us, but we don't forgive ourselves sometimes, even for things we did not do. So I love that you're ending on that note. And Mm -hmm. I got caught up with you and I forgot a question and it's a quick one um okay how have your clients responded to your work um was it kind of difficult in the beginning or was it embraced how what was the reception with your work and when you introduced it and now being in it in some years um well, my clients usually find me after struggling a lot. So when they find this work, they it kind of feels like the, you know, heavens are opening, angels are singing. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's um, because I do take a very gentle approach. And it's like, it means the world to me that people feel in charge of their process. And for a lot of folks, by the time they arrive, you know, at my door in my Zoom, you know, meeting room, they haven't been given that grace. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's, I really, I think that safety is the most feeling safe. That feeling of co- somatic comfort and safety is essential. And so I just, I use that as a foundation for everything that I do. And, and it's amazing how quickly people will grow when they feel like they have autonomy and they can make their own choices and, and they feel safe in, in whatever decision that they make. And, safe to be who they are you know i think that's so important 
Yes, it is. And thank you for summing that up. I apologize for leaving that question off. Oh, it's like okay. I said, I got so caught up in the conversation, which happened. <laughs> well, I think this is the first time I left the question off, but I guess that's a good thing because I really got caught up yeah. in the conversation. But thank you <laughs> for understanding and answering that Um very professionally and and not being taken off aback by me making the question so you know once again I just want to thank you and um you all support her work support her ebook and her book when it comes out I have the links um when this podcast is shared this is Tuesday we're recording so tomorrow it'll go live so if you would like to send me an email, send it to a woman soul restored at gmail.com. The website is www.livelifenowlovelifenow.net. And the Facebook page is A Woman's Soul Restored. So today we were talking to Nisha Fair about how to reclaim your authenticity, soulfulness, and sexuality after trauma and she has truly informed us today so thank you again Nisha and you have a wonderful and awesome day you're so welcome thank you again for having me it was lovely oh, no to problem. and looking forward for you to coming back again soon me too me too um, take care okay, Tanya take care. same to you bye-bye bye